everybody, welcome to Save Your Sorry, where we talk about your favorite or rather least favorite celebrities and the scandals that come with them. I am your co-host, Katrina Rochelle, with my best friend and co-host, Jose Angel. And today is a special day, and we have special guests. Um, from one of our favorite podcasts, Hits Don't Lie, we have Aaron and Jacob. Hello. Hi. Hello. So if you don't mind, for the people who haven't been listening to you, which they're crazy, but can you <laughs> talk a little bit about your podcast, what you talk about, what you guys do? Oh, that's Jacob's part in our intro blurb. <laughs> <laughs> no, I usually say, two best friends, are you ever pop music? I'll see. That's now it's your OC. turn, Jacob. And then I get the rest of it. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> we just pick whatever category we feel like. We take some songs and then we battle it out for a top five list. Uh, I don't know why we made a podcast where we have to argue over music when we could have just made a podcast where we just talk about talk our music. About. But who knows? <laughs> People like aggression, you know. It makes it more fun. <laughs> But we've been friends for over 30 years, um, and we share a love in the same or similar types of music. And so, and we've shared so many favorite artists and songs over the years that we decided to make a podcast where we could talk about our love for music, and then we argue over it. Yeah, basically everyone around us got tired of hearing us talk about it, so we thought we'd just put it online instead. Make a club. Great, no, great plan. For ourselves. <laughs> I love that. And we're that. big fans of this podcast. Yes. I love the topics to you guys choose. So thanks for having us. Thank um, you. Gives us anxiety every week. We love it. <laughs> and your guys' season two trailer just came out, which I thought was like a masterpiece in trailers. Uh, <laughs> 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 yes. Everyone go listen. It's the most random trailer you will ever hear. Yeah, <laughs> for I mean, no I listen, reason. I listened to her and I immediately played it again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's a real voicemail that I left him. It's not for the podcast. I was wondering that. <laughs> yeah, it's, so at the end of the trailer, there's this random voicemail that Aaron sent me even before we had decided to do a podcast. And we just thought, you know what? People need to hear this. So put it on the trailer. <laughs> If people listen to the trailer, they'll know what we're talking about. Oh, it's our shit. real friendship there. <laughs> yeah. I gotta I listen to the, it. I went past the chilies today. I'm like, oh my God, I really need to go in one day. Uh, you have to. Sit at the bar. Don't, Don't get a table. On. It'll be more. <laughs> Don't sleep on chilies, everyone. I'm He's serious. an Applebee's person. That's who. That's Jose. <laughs> Oh my god! Which that's why I was here. Chili's is like Applebee's. So I'm like, oh, why do I need to go? Exactly. <laughs> the food is great at Chili's, and don't get me started on the Presidente. We better not get started on Chili's at all. Actually, we have too much to do tonight. Okay. <laughs> One day. Yeah, today we'll be talking about Louis J. Perlman, more famously known as Lou Perlman or Big Papa or Papa Lou. Wow, those are terrible names. Yeah. <laughs> I will be referring to him just as Lou, but if you guys want to, you're more than welcome to refer to him as Big Papa Lou. Thank okay. you. Oh, well, thank you I for the permission. Well, we'll see what I gracefully decline. <laughs> <laughs> if the listeners don't know who Lou is, he's the sixth member of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. <laughs> now, you might be thinking those boy bands only had five members, and, well, you were wrong. So, good thing you're listening to this. So true. I never had heard of Lou until a few weeks ago when you guys recommended him. And when I first saw his name, I was like, who? I I don't know him. He's just such a big name in the boy band space around that time. Pretty much everyone was impacted by what he was doing. And then when the full story came out, which I'm so happy we're going to talk about, it's wild. Yeah, I'm excited too. Yeah, I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> so I got most of my information from the boy band column, the Lou Perman story, and from the book, The Hit Charade. Lou was born June 19th, 1954, making him a Gemini. He lived in a one-bedroom apartment with his parents, and while well, he got the room, his parents slept in the living room. Something wow. about... Sorry, I'll hush. I'm no, listening. you can jump in wherever. <laughs> have you heard me interrupt this man? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'll pause, but you just need to jump in wherever. 
Okay. (laughs) Something about Lou from a very early age is that he was always thinking about how to make a lot of money. He was always coming up with plans. Like with a lot of kids, he had a lemonade stand. And at first he sold it for a nickel, made two cents. Then he came up with the genius plan of selling it for seven cents. Just so people would pay with the dime and he kept the pennies. Another early business venture Lou did was he took over a paper route from an older boy in 1969, but the boy would only sell him his paper route for $500. Damn, what type of time was this for paper routes? <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's outrageous, like $500 for a paper route. Lou took over the paper route and kind of revolutionized it. He asked the customers where they wanted the paper, small preferences like do they want it in the mailbox, under the mat? Anything like they wanted, he would write it down and keep note of it. Then Lou teamed up with Dunkin' Donuts, so now customers could get donuts and coffee with their newspaper delivery. It was so savvy from an early age. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Lou I was, gotta lie. That combination is killer. They're back in the day, oh, let me get some coffee and a donut. And it is. It's like a <laughs> prehistoric DoorDash. <laughs> there you go. Lou was doing so good, he was able to buy other boys' paper route and hire other kids to work for him. Uh, Another thing that Lou did from a very early age is lie. These stories that Lou told about his childhood never happened. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I was so quiet. (laughs) Allegedly. All of this allegedly. I forgot that. I, I forgot that. I don't remember learning that in the documentary really invested like okay this is a real businessman well that's yeah. what he wants you to think telling these stories like that propping is... himself up as being some genius from a smart age he got you katrina <laughs> damn fooled me <laughs> no one recalls lou having a lemonade stand and lou had nothing to do with delivering newspapers the boy who lou said he bought the paper route said it didn't work like that he would make maybe 15 dollars a week and he never sold it for 500 to lou so maybe he had a lemonade stand and people don't remember, but the newspaper is a complete lie. Because it was shitty lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't and- even lemonade. It was just Tang. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. I remember Tang. I liked Tang. <laughs> <laughs> In reality, Lou was just a chubby kid who was always making up stories, who didn't really have any friends besides his upstairs neighbor, Alan Gross. Alan was four years older than Lou, and they shared a love of blimps. Like, oh, okay. I don't know why I was thinking, like, blimpy sandwiches. He was chubby, but okay. (laughs) I mean, maybe both. You never know, but... Hey, I think so. I mean, I love sandwiches. (laughs) Me too. They would see the bims flying by Alan's window from the airport, and they just got this fascination with it. A fun fact about Lou is he was art... Garfunkel's cousin from Simon and Garfunkel, which he would tell everyone over and over that he was Art's cousin. And people didn't really believe it. He was a liar back then, too. I was just about to say, is this a lie? No, <laughs> this one is true that we know of. Oh, okay. And that was until Art showed up at Lou's Bar Mitzvah. Then people started believing him, and that kind of helped him get friends. Like, if you're friends with, uh, you're related to a celebrity, people are going to like you. Yeah, it's a shame. Hey, a little clout. Yeah. <laughs> Lou went to Queens College where he studied accounting. He had a class project about making a business, and the business was a helicopter business where he picked people up from Manhattan at their Wall Street jobs and would fly them to the airport. His professor really liked this idea of Lou's, so he told him he should go for it, and he did. He had Art Garfunkel's dad buy him a second helicopter, but Lou had to come up with the money for the first one. So, Lou managed to get an investor and started his business in 1975. He creates transcontinental airlines. And in 1979, he's able to buy more private jets. This is debated if he ever really had any jets, but for the sake of the story, we will say he had at least some at some. Okay, okay. 1981, Lou's dream of owning a blimp comes to life. He got one for only 10000 which in... Blimp terms is really cheap. I mean, I have no idea. Is it? (laughs) I mean, $10,000. For a balloon? Blimps are really... It's a blimp. Yeah, they're kind of expensive. (laughs) 
Lee was planning to use the blimp for advertising. He went to the jeans company called Jordash, and they set up a deal. The only problem is the deal they had set up, Lou was not that honest about the blimp. He made it seem like it was a lot bigger than it was and a lot newer, when in fact it wasn't brand new. It was about 16 years old. Oh, the liar lied? (laughs) That's a common theme, yes. It must have been like 16 years old. must be like dog years and blimps. Like, oh my God. I guess so. (laughs) I'm going to take that blimp out and shoot that bitch. I had a lot more blimp information in here that I cut out because I'm like, no one cares. Oh, now I do care. (laughs) Why did you leave that out? Crucial blimp information that we need. Okay, where fun fact is there's not that many blimps anymore because helium is like running out. So it's... You know, it's very expensive. Oh, damn. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That does make a lot of sense. Also, it's always just felt like a really inconvenient form of travel or advertisement. I don't... Do people travel by blimp? Now, hold no, on. No, I don't think so. But just advertisement, at least. <laughs> they Dangerous. used to. You can take this nine-hour flight or this yeah. four-day blimp trip. <laughs> <laughs> So the blimp was in pretty rough shape. The crew didn't even think that it was going to be able to fly. And especially the landing equipment, that was very in fragile condition. And it did fly, but it crashed. Oh, my word. (laughs) It's all good, though, because this brought kind of attention to Jordash. And Lou had it insured. The blimp of that Lou course. had only spent 10000 on, he insured for $3 million. Now, hold on. That's suspicious. <laughs> Red flags. It's very suspicious. The insurance company thought so as well, especially oh. since he described it to them as a newer and larger blimp. And they tried to fight it at first. It did end up being settled, but they still paid Lou $2.5 million. For oh that my crashed God. piece of junk blip? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, how? I love this. Okay, so he had to have just gotten it insured based on a description. Like, he was just on the phone, said, oh, yeah, great blimp, no holes, got landing gear. And like, okay, $3 million, why not? Yeah. Up, we're Cannot in the wrong this. business. <laughs> we got to get into blimps. Also, how could you do back in the day? Like, oh my gosh, I got this car. It's beautiful, new paint job, and this and you pan out in real life, and it's a it's a hoopty. <laughs> I, I could have got that insured. Yes, crazy. it's sounding like it. Something about Lou is he's a very smooth talker. That's what everyone has said about him. Oh my god, that sounds creepy. It's suspected that this was his plan to begin with insurance fraud, but. No one really knows. We know. (laughs) His childhood friend, Alan Gross, who had gone into business with Lou, kind of felt weird about this and tried to talk to Lou about it. But Lou was not having it. He pretty much kicked him out of the business. And Alan put all his life savings in it. And that was his life work. So it kind of screwed him over. (laughs) Just so upset. So upsetting. I'm still upset that Jacob hasn't gotten us into the blimp business. I just sent three emails. What the blimp were you thinking? Okay. Lou invested in more blimps and crashed three of them each time gaining a profit no, from insurance. He really did. He did it again? Jose, is this true? Yeah, that's is from true? That's from the book, The Hit Charade. He really was crashing blimps. Okay, I've got to read this book. I've got to. The only thing with the book is, I I don't know, the author writes it in a very snarky way, and I I don't know why that bothers me in book form, but it does for some reason. Yes, I agree with that. Now, if you're listening and made it this far, you're wondering, what does this aircraft guy have anything to do with board dance? (laughs) That is true. I'm I'm waiting for this connection. Well, New Kids on the Block charted one of his planes in 1989, and they booked Lou's plane for $250,000 a month. And it said they paid in all cash that was in a brown paper bag. Okay. Weird. Mm-hmm. Sketchy. The kids on the block, on the block they, were, they were selling them drugs. 
And Lou was just like fascinated. Like, how could all these young guys pay for this? And he asked around and he realized they were in a boy band. And he knew he just had to get in that boy band action. I love this mentality of he it's not that he had an interest in boy bands or music. It's that other people are making money doing this. So therefore I should go make money doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I guess if he doesn't turn out, I mean, we already know, I guess he is a terrible person already with the insurance fraud, but you would find it very admirable. I mean, like, Hey, you're making some money. Let me go make that money. You're making. <laughs> <laughs> In 1992, Lou places an ad in the Orlando Sentinel looking for a vocal group. And it wasn't a cheap thing to do. Lou spent $3 million looking for his group. And he created Transcontinental Records. After hundreds of auditions, he got AJ, Howie, Nick Carter, Kevin, and Brian. And that formed the the Backstreet Boys. (laughs) So this man is kind of like a jack of all trades. Yes. Or or an investor of all trades, maybe. Cause yes, investing, but like he he's putting together auditions for a boy band. You're right. You're right. He was hands on with his boy bands. Well, he was maybe very hands on. Yeah. Maybe well, a little too. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to. <laughs> From here, he had the boys do like a boy band boot camp. They would rehearse around eight hours a day in a hot ass hangar. They had to be able to sing and dance at the same time without sounding like they were out of breath. May 8, 1993, the Backstreet Boys had their first performance at SeaWorld. After this, they would perform pretty much anywhere and everywhere they could. Restaurants, schools, malls, charity events. They would go on local radio shows and sing and harmonize and all that. (laughs) At this point, was it just him training them or did he have like a choreographer and vocal coach and all of this? I'm pretty sure he had a choreographer, vocal coach. I'm just not sure at what points they all come in. Right. Yeah. It makes sense that he would just get the right people instead of try it all himself. Uh, you don't think Big Papa Lou ain't <laughs> busting some moves? I'm not saying Big Papa couldn't step, but maybe he could step <laughs> like, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they did a record deal, and at first they were more popular in Europe, but around 1996, they get pretty much global success and are huge in America. Lou was like a father figure or even big brother. They'd say he was like a big kid, would joke around with them, and just get along really well with them. He would let them have parties at his mansion. He would buy them expensive gifts and take them out to all these expensive restaurants. And it's said when Lou went out to eat, he always had at least like 12 people with him. Jeez. He's afraid to be lonely. (laughs) That's what a lot of people do say. Like they say, maybe he was surrounding himself with these boy bands because he was wanting to be them or he wanted to surround himself like with family or something like that. But I don't know. Did you, did you find out like, did he have siblings or anything like that? Any brothers? Like maybe he was seeking a brotherly, he was or an only child. type of... Okay. Yeah, and this was gotcha. after him and his childhood friend, Alan Gross, got into an argument over after the Blimp After he betrayed him. Yeah, that's yeah. not saying it's an no argument. He kind of... <laughs> Messed up his whole 401k. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where they, the boys see Lou kind of almost like family. They call him Papa Lou or Big Papa. Yeah, that's gross. I do, too. I'm not calling someone that's... I don't really call my dad Papa or anything, either. I don't know. Wouldn't it be funny next time I see him, I call him that? (laughs) Hey, big Papa. Especially when it's someone that you work with. This is basically their boss or their manager. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine going into your boss's office, calling them Big Papa. Big Papa, can I get my money, please? (laughs) No. And it's said, I believe, that both groups called him Big Papa. So I feel like this is something Lou wanted, but I didn't see how the name came to be. Yeah, let's see. Mm. In 1995, Lou created a second group. This one was NSYNC, who had Justin Timberlake, JC Chases, Chris Kirkpatrick, Joey Fatone, and Lance Bass. Is it Chavez? How do you pronounce his last name? Chazez. 
Oh my gosh. Okay, he JC. I can't say that. I've been calling this man, <laughs> calling this man Chavez for years. <laughs> Well, JC was my favorite member. I, I should say I was an NSYNC girl, so. Yeah, yeah. Where I, are you guys? Are you guys Team Backstreet or Tim NSYNC? I was an NSYNC person. I can't. Never. Really. When? Was it a secret to you? <laughs> a secret a secret NSYNC admirer in my room on my Jacob, CD I cannot believe this. <laughs> this is the time this, that I'm learning this. this <laughs> we unearth scandals here. I mean, Jacob and I, there's not a lot of things like that that we don't know. So, bombshell. Yeah, I had their, I had their CD. Well, I had one of their major CDs that maybe we'll talk about later at the end of the story. And yeah, I played the shit out of that. I loved it. (laughs) Wait, do you remember when I went to see them in concert? No. I was about to say, were you jealous secretly? I don't even remember, but probably. (laughs) Okay, sorry. I digress. Um, Katrina, what about you? Do you have a preference? Um, I wasn't really into them during their heydays, but when I eventually listened to some musics, I probably would prefer NSYNC over Backstreet. I only like two Backstreet songs. I was listening to their music, and I think I'm team NSYNC too. Yeah, it's the better one. The thing is, NSYNC just has more fun songs. Backstreet was all about the harmonizing and kind of more adult feeling. I was just fun. They definitely catered to two different audiences, like you've said. Um, The Backstreet Boys songs were more mature, kind of more grown up, a lot more power ballads. Mm -hmm. And then NSYNC came along and they were doing like the fun party songs. So I always felt like it was unfair to say like Backstreet versus NSYNC because I thought that they had two different sounds going on. But maybe that's just me. That's true. Yeah, I only did that because they were both boy bands. <laughs> no, like, well, everyone does it though. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone in history, it's always been the two pitted against each other. Throw O Town thing- in there. Oh. <laughs> Another creation of Lou. <laughs> they wish. They wish that they were in the in the ring, but they're not. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame what happened to them. <laughs> Gone town. NSYNC got their name from the last letter and the guy's first name, which I thought was creative. I never knew that. For real? In, in the, huh. So Justin is N. NSYNC. Whatever. I guess it works. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's Justin, Chris, Joey. What about Lance, though? What's that? The, the C, maybe? I guess. Lance Baska. Baskin. Lanska. Yeah, see? Something's wrong with that information. I didn't even question it. Um, I think there was a different member at first, though. That's interesting. The lost member. There was a different member in one of them that quit, but I don't remember which one. So, the NSYNC went through the same treatment as Backstreet Boys. They went through this boot camp. He bought them expensive gifts, and they all love Lou. But correct me if I'm wrong, they were much younger than Backstreet was, right? In sync? I'm just trying to. I don't to... know about much younger. Well, significantly younger as far as laws go, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, maybe you're right. And also, you know, Backstreet Boys were around first and more established. Yeah. And maybe they started around the same age this is all speculation everyone don't take anything that i'm saying it's fact i'm <laughs> musing aloud i think backstreet had more of a wider age age gap like the youngest was very young and they're the oldest member what's his name with the he had long hair a lot was it howie yeah he's I much older yeah i think i don't he had a goatee too mm-hmm I think his name is Howie, and I don't even know those people. <laughs> but he did look like a like a real getting to be middle aged man in the center of the group, right? Maybe that's why I just feel like they were much older, and NSYNC was super young whenever they started. Yeah, it sounds right. Like they could have been around fourteen, fifteen in sync when they got together. From what I'm looking at, but hey, don't quote me. Backstreet. 
was Lou's main band, and he was treating instinct like a side chick, kind of. He would hide them from the Backstreet Boys and hide them from the record label. That is until after a lot of touring and performing, there was a Disney concert, and the Backstreet Boys didn't want to do it. They were just too exhausted. And Lou sends out instinct instead. And this helps him break out in the American market. Disney keeps showing their concert all week long, and they just explode. And it's that kind of thing where now you can pick your boy band, which one's your favorite. Mm, so basically, while he's still touring, uh, he's still got Backstreet Boys touring all over the world or whatever. NSYNC is not doing the same thing. They're just working together as a band, or they're doing it on a smaller level. On a smaller, smaller level. level. Okay, okay. Local. Okay, I get it. That like they're not really known it. Okay, that's why he was high. Okay, okay, okay. I'm back on track. A little lost. I at think first. the the imagery of InSync being the side chick is perfect though, because from what I understand, he almost used them against each other sometimes. If Backstreet didn't want to do something, but like, okay, well, I could go have InSync do yeah. something. So he and- is the main one who set up this rivalry. Right. I I was hoping you were going to say that next because he's he literally created the r- rivalry between them by all the little comments like that he would make to the two groups. And yeah, it's it's petty stuff, really and, immature stuff. And they miss one concert and already he has a fill in. I think that is very intimidating to know that you're that replaceable. True. Oh, yeah. That's well, no also- right insulting this person that you're calling Big Papa is just gonna replace you so easily. That bully side. Yeah. He kind of felt, he saw it as if someone's gonna come around and steal what he's already doing with the boy band, it should be him. He should be the one who's profiting off of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's smart. Evil, but smart. (laughs) So at this time, the boy band craze is going full force. They are working about 18 hours a day. They say if they did have a day off, it was for like photos or an appearance somewhere. Their albums are selling millions. Their merch is selling. Their concerts are selling out. But they aren't getting paid yet. And apparently not really even a day off if they're still doing things on their day off. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. This is literally child labor. It really is. It is. Like, where were the parents, though, too? Like, oh my, with my them. Dollar with signs. them. Hey, my son's a superstar. Get In your ass on that stage. I think it exactly. was. Nick Carter was 15 when he started. I think that's what I have in my notes. And that's what I was thinking. Like, how is he working all these long hours? Even eight-hour rehearsals. I feel like that's child. Probably like uh, Florida. Child Florida. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more going on there, too. Nick Carter could have his own episode. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah the Carter Lots brothers. Lots of family stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Tough <laughs> family background, which I think will come up later, too. So, after about two years of this, Lou takes Instinct out for dinner. And this is going to be the big day that they finally receive their checks. Wait, two years? Yes. Two years. Two My word. years. Because they are constantly, you know, touring, making music, rehearsing, and everything's pretty much being paid for them. They get a $35 a day for food or spending money. But other than that, they're just pretty much going where they need to go. So they're with their yeah. family, and they're trying to, like, estimate how much they're going to get. They're, they know it's a big number, but they don't know how much. They're expecting oh. at least 200000 each. But when they open the envelopes, it is only 10000 Oh, Jesus Christ. $10,000 for two years of your life? I'd be throwing plates. (laughs) It's been a long long time since I've watched the Lou Pearlman documentary. But I remember that while he's presenting them with these measly checks, he's taking them out to like the most lavish, expensive ass dinner. Like Lowry's or something. Like a really nice steakhouse or something. Supposedly. But it's like, that's where he's, I don't know. It's so backwards. (laughs) (laughs) That's where your other hundred thousand is. It was all at this restaurant. (laughs) So they're like, what's going on? And Afterwards, after dinner, they broke it down and 
it turns out they're making less than minimum wage. Way less. Yeah. <laughs> and the same, 365. the same thing is happening with the Bachelor Boys. They said they're having trouble even making their card payments. JC from Instinct has an uncle who's a lawyer, so he goes and shows him the contract. And Lou had made himself the sixth member of the band, meaning he would get a cut from that as well as his cut from being a manager. And he was able to dip more into the pay than they thought. But when Lou first told him about being the sixth member, he made it seem like he was going to save the money. That just makes no sense to me. I could not wrap my brain around how that would save them money at all. But I'm sure he was very convincing. That's why I was thinking, like, him being a sixth member means you have to pay him. But if he's saying, then I don't have, you don't have to pay my fees of other things, I... Read your contracts, I guess. Read your contracts. <laughs> Shout out to the uncle who's a lawyer. We all need some sort of family who's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should have got him involved a little early. Like, what? how smooth was this man? His, was he baby oil smooth? I'm going to be the sixth have. member. And don't <laughs> worry. Think- it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I think it has to do with his demeanor. And his personality, he doesn't come across as, or didn't, he he did not come across as someone who was deceiving you. He's He kind of had like that meek sort of appearance and personality. Jovial. Jovial, yes. And so I think it's like the type of person that you would never suspect. Mm-hmm. It's also the set dressing like an, of it all. And he's kind of like an underdog type. And it's just like, no, no, not Lou. Lou would never do that to anyone. Lou wouldn't hurt a fly, you know, like he was that kind of person. Yeah, I think especially, you know, he knew the families. He was taking them out to eat too. It's like Lou's part of the family. Lou's not going to do this. While he was doing it the whole time. (laughs) And doing it and doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So they confront Lou and he says, all those gifts, all the fancy restaurants, everything they thought Lou was just being nice was actually coming from their own money. And he tells them they are actually in debt. Not actually, you're in debt. Oh, no. Not Lou's in debt. Not Lou's in debt. Uh, the band's in debt. Not the sixth <laughs> member. You other five broke boys. Uh-huh. And Sink and Backstreet have a meeting, and they realize they have to re- renegotiate their contracts. Together? They talk, but they don't, like, have a meeting with Lou together. Okay. They're just talking, like, oh, this contract's messed up, but nothing really official. Backstreet Boys had to write out their contract, but there was a loophole in NSYNC's. In their contract, it stated they would have an American record deal, so they were able to get out from under Lou and sign on to Jive Records. But Lou wasn't going to give up without a fight. They say he totally changed. He was no longer a smiley, happy guy. He was pretty much not willing to negotiate at all. This was the deal. He's sticking to it. Showing his true form. Yes. And so he sues NSYNC for $150 million and the name NSYNC. And there's that's a quote. That's petty. Suing for the name, that's petty. <laughs> that is petty. They're going to go on stage as unnamed band. And he didn't mm-hmm. even name them. Justin Timberlake's mom did. I remember that factoid. Oh, Miss Timberlake. <laughs> she sure did. Lou has a quote where he said, the kids should take a step back and say, how did I get here? Who took the risk? Who put all the money? And who's my real big papa? Ugh. <laughs> God. That is gross. Revolting. <laughs> About the name, the judge wasn't having it and she said she had a daughter who had a poster of NSYNC at home, and Lou was not on that poster. <laughs> she allowed the boys to release an album with Jive, and the case was later later settled for an undisclosed amount in NSYNC's favor. Oh, okay. I was about to say. The song Bye 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 is about Lou Pearlman, which I never knew. No way. I did not know that either. And you know, that yeah. was their explosion ah, was that single mm-hmm. in the album. You may yeah, hurt me, but ain't no lie. I didn't the even album think that. No Strings Attached is a reference to him as well. Nice. Ah. 
See, I've so, known about this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Lou wasn't done making bands. He created LFO, C Note, Take Five, Innocence, that Britney Spears was going to be a member of, deciding to go solo. Ooh, thank God. Yeah, I was thinking, like, <laughs> would Britney still have the career she had if she was in a girl band? No. I don't think uh, so. Her family would break their neck to still have her go solo. It would have hurt the timing of things because the start of her career was like striking while the iron was hot. So, mm-hmm. no, I don't think things would have been the same for her. Yeah. He created Making the Band, which is about the band O-Town. And I always thought Making the Band was a P. Diddy show, but I guess Lou was Oof. the original. Yeah, it became... Yeah, it became... P. Diddy, where he just spreads his curse to different talented people. I was just hey, don't get season. us started. I was just about to say one shark takes over from another shark. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, Diddy is not no better, even though I was entertained by those seasons, but that's another story. Entertaining, um, yes. Entertaining, yes. But he ruined Danny D. Kane. Ruined him. He we could go off for hours and have Aaron and I have about Ugh. what he's done to Don't several get different started. groups. Yeah, he killed Biggie allegedly. <laughs> I, <I'm sorry. laughs> so these bands start working with Lou, and they know his history by now, like his whole screwing over Backstreet and Sync. But they didn't care. They felt like it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, and they might get screwed over, but they were going to be stars. That is just, that hurts when like your desire to be a star blinds you from the truth that is just out in public. Yeah. That hurts. Yeah. And I feel like you also think to yourself, I'm going to sign this right now and later I'll deal with it. I'll get out of it somehow. And it don't always work like that. (laughs) Besides being a scammer, Lou was just a creep. Several members of the bands have spoken out that Lou was very touchy-feely. And there were rumors swirling around, pretty much saying, don't be alone with the guy. Ashley Parker Angel from the band O-Town says Lou would come in and tell the boys to take their shirts off so he could look at their abs and see how they looked. No. (laughs) That's that's a great great answer. No. no. (laughs) Oh, no. He would say he was doing that as a business point of view, telling them they had to be in good shape and able to take off their shirts to sell magazines. Ashley Parker Angel also claims Lou offered to give him a special massage to help his muscles stand out for performances and photos. Uh-uh. He Ugh. gave him the massage once and it was weird. And the first chance he got, he left. Yeah, any massage with that man is weird. Why are you massaging me? You're supposed to be my business manager. <laughs> I know. Can we get a licensed person in here? And I thought it was weird when you were talking about the whole buying NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, all these gifts and stuff, and it's weird. They're calling you Big Papa, and you're treating them like sugar babies, and these are minors. I thought that was weird, but I wasn't going to say nothing. Living at his house sometimes? Yeah. No. Yeah. He, and I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. The spy technology was probably still a thing. Could have been one of those, allegedly. Allegedly, but you probably are onto something there, yes. Thank you very much. Rick Cronin from LFO claimed Lou had a connection, where Lou told him that he had a connection with someone in Germany and he would make them stars. But there was one catch, and that was they would have to allow this random guy to touch their private areas. No. I'm sorry? What? That's oh. what Lou was saying. Ooh. He was talking. Never mind. I don't want to get it clarified. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Lou was talking to Rick Cronin from LFO. You got no, it? No, I don't okay. want it. It's okay. I got you. <laughs> okay. So Lou offered to practice with them so they could be in the right headspace and not mess it up. No. Oh, hell no. <laughs> okay. Ew. That Who claimed just- it? One of those members? It was Rick Cronin from LFO. and The, actu- the actual guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. He said it on Howard Stern. And then in the documentary, you have Ashley Parker Angel retelling it. Okay. But there's also clips from the Howard Stern 
audio in there too. Okay. That is just, it's just such a weird, such a, it's just such a weird story to go about to try to achieve. It's such a stupid lie. It's so stupid to say, oh yeah, everyone in Germany, this is just how they do business. So let me diddle you. Like it makes no sense. Yeah. Love that. Also, it's disgusting. Yeah, I'm you love like that he, word. I, I just thought I liked the use of it, diddle. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> it caught me off guard. I didn't want to laugh. But yeah, um, but also it's like I don't know how much longer of uh, Lou Pearlman we have left, but it sounds like the more the longer he's in this like bad business, doing nasty ass stuff, he's getting more reckless. Like why? Why would you? I don't know. I feel like it's reckless to be like, yeah, if they'll put you on if you if if you can get sexually assaulted by them. Like because even he's getting know. away with it though. He's just gotten away with, you know, screwing over two whole groups and created yeah, these other true. groups with them knowing that he's, he's done going. this. So why not push the push the envelope? Yeah, go big. And, and he knows these new boys are desperate because they're willing to sign with him and be screwed over. So what else are they desperate for? Dang, I didn't. For some reason, I didn't think about it like that. But yeah, of course, it's, it's raising the stakes on both both ends. People are mm-hmm. desperate and feel like they have nothing to lose on both sides, which is very sad. Nikki Deloach, I think it's pronounced from Innocence, says Lou had a tanning bed at his house, and everyone would use it. And Nikki says she later found out that he would record them using it. I and knew it. I said it. You know, when you go in a tanning bed, you get undressed. And you always believed in me. (laughs) I did, Katrina. (laughs) And he allegedly showed some of the members of the boy bands these videos. Oh. And these claims are alleged. Lewis no longer here to defend himself. Oh, he's dead. I mean, when there's smoke, there's fire, but there's this many. One person who defended him is Aaron Carter. Which he does it in such a weird way. He gets very angry when asked about it. And he says his mom checked the tanning bed before he used it for cameras. Which, why are you even looking for the cameras if the allegations weren't even out yet? Um, I have a lot to say about that moment in the documentary. It really has stuck with me. I don't remember everything. It's been about a year or so since I watched the documentary. But... The scenes with Aaron Carter defending Lou. First of all, you'll notice he's the only person in the entire documentary that defends Lou. And anyone who follows him today knows that he is a very troubled person. He deals with a lot of personal issues, mentally, possibly drugs, allegedly. And he's cut ties with his siblings. The Carters had a very difficult childhood. And I really unfortunately think that Aaron Carter was one of those people that was easily preyed upon by someone like Lou Pearlman. And probably I feel like he had such a personal attachment to Lou because of all that they did, all that he did for them financially. And probably fell for his personality, too. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad. Yeah, it it's very sad. And it's very bizarre that he's the only one defending him. And if you see the clips of him, he just gets very angry. And I think yeah. that says a lot without saying anything. Yes, there's a lot more going on. They're behind the scenes with some emotional issues, and it's just sad all around. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't followed the whole Lou Pearlman thing. I didn't even know that. Well, I I probably could have guessed once Backstreet Boys, Nick Carter, Aaron Carter, they were somehow linked. But just from Aaron Carter being in the news the last couple years, I would have figured taking his word at something like that you might have to look deeper because yeah, it does seem like he has been dealing with some stuff all through his career, but a lot more recently stuff has been leaking out about his personal life, not being the greatest. I believe 
one or both. I don't actually know how many siblings he has, but I know at least Nick Carter has a restraining order against him. Oh, and I wow. actually, I just really feel a lot of sympathy for Aaron Carter. Ever since I've seen that clip from the documentary of the way that he defends Lou Pearlman. Mm-hmm. It's hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't see the conclusion of it, but Aaron Carter did sue Lou in 2002. So, I mean, he was mm-hmm. green with his money as well. Mm-hmm. But Obviously, in- he still holds something like a piece of him. He's very adamantly against any other inappropriate accusations being made about Lou. Oh, just besides the money. I adamantly, yes. Okay. 2003, Lou buys Options Talent, which is already being investigated for fraud. It was one of those get discovered at the mall, be a model type of thing. <laughs> oh, we know people were getting scammed then. <laughs> yeah, which it makes you think, like, why would Lou buy this if they're already being investigated for fraud? He don't care. He's doing <laughs> it all too. But that is weird. Why are you already, are you trying to get on the radar? <laughs> <laughs> he said I can turn it around 2006 Lou is investigated for the longest Ponzi scheme in American history Transcontinental Airlines Transcon Records and Transcontinental International before the Backstreet Boys only existed on paper before that he would do investments from banks and mostly retired couples it would look like they were getting money back because he would take someone else's money to pay them and just shuffle all this money around, but it wasn't really earning any money. The big private jets and planes he allegedly had, the only photos of them were fakes. He used model planes and took pictures of them so it looked real. No, he didn't. (laughs) That's the most hilarious thing. In the documentary, the guy that he screwed over, Gossman, what's his name? Alan Gross. Alan Gross, sorry. The guy that he screwed over, Alan Gross, shows this model plane and then they show a picture and basically (laughs) basically Perlman just held the model plane up where his finger was out of sight, took a picture at a runway where the perspective might make it look like it it was taking off or something. Oh my god. And it's hilarious. Man, people were we were just We need to find that picture and tweet it. (laughs) <laughs> I, need people to see I, I think it's easily found on the internet alan gross a childhood friend who turned former business partner never saw any planes the members of the band never saw any planes that had transcontinental on it which you would think if he was flying these boy bands around he would use his own planes mm-hmm. but they weren't big enough if we believe his story of new kids on the block using at least one of his planes he did at a time at least have one but I didn't see that story confirmed. I feel like it's always taken as a fact that he met them, but I didn't see it. I mean, it could be possible it was confirmed. I just didn't see it. I don't trust anything. I don't okay. either. Who came to donuts and coffee and papers? This man is a liar. <laughs> Lou was found to have stolen $300 million from investors. Damn. $200 million coming from regular people and $100 million from the banks. And again, most of his people that were investing were retired couples. While he was doing this before the boy bands, it was his association with the bands that had people really investing. When Lou finds the walls closing in on him, he flees the country, but is later found and arrested, and is charged with conspiracy of bank fraud, mail fraud, and money laundering. You gotta know when to hold him, when to fold him. He should have been fleeing the country. (laughs) (laughs) He got away for a little bit. He is sentenced 25 years in prison, and Lou claims if they would give him phone access and internet connection two times a week, he could earn it all back. Jeez. But how, Lou? Or What's you. your plan for earning it back? By doing his tricks again. Yeah, it makes no exactly. sense. That request is denied, and on August 19, 2016, Lou dies from cardiac arrest. Rest in peace. The thing about this story is I try to see where Lou could have got out of the scam game. He crashed that first blimp. He could have ended it right there. He could have, he made a good profit off of that. And when he's managing Backstreet and NSYNC, he was making millions of dollars off them. 
But it's the classic scammer's mistake of never knowing when to stop. Always wanting to do it more like, oh, it yeah. worked this time. I I could do it again. Yeah, it. I guess that's what it boils down to is just greed. But I, I don't know when you have... <laughs> I feel like when you have millions upon millions, you should be fine. But I guess he wasn't greed. And then they started in his ego. Like he, he started to think he was the big man. He created this. So mm-hmm. I don't know. that's crazy though. That whole story, man. Lou Pearlman does have a book out. It's called bands, brands and billions. That's a terrible title. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Bands, brands, and billions, my top 10 rules and success for any business. Obviously, this was before he died. Yeah. Was it before? Well, I, I, this might be a stupid question, but people are, are known to write there. But was it before he got to jail? Yes. It was oh, okay. published in 2002. Um, oh. I wanted to read it, but it's $40 on Amazon, and there's no Ooh. library version, so I was $40. not going to do it. $40. But if you guys are interested, it's out there. Should be bands, brands, and scams. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> but it's that just is... such a wild story. The fact that he was doing the Ponzi scheme even before the boy bands, and he could have just had an out with the boy bands, gets me every time. Like, like yeah. you had a way to rectify the situation. <laughs> yeah. No green. Like you had a way to be fine. Yeah, he could have been totally fine. <laughs> That is all we have for Lou Pearlman, unless any of you guys want to add anything. Yeah, you guys know anything else that we, I don't know, at least. I have the most random Lou Pearlman memory from back in the day, like the Making the Band days when he was forming O-Town. And he was obviously a regular on that show. And I remember watching that show and one of the, Something that would be referenced more than once was that he was a hugger. And she gave the guys lots of hugs, which is icky. um, Because I don't know about you guys, but I don't want like some grown man to be like saying hugs, you know, give me a (laughs) hug. Because I know that. I have an acquaintance like that who like – when you when you go to a party back when we used to do that, he would say like, "What? No hug? You didn't hug me." And I'm like, "Oh, that's uh. it's creepy when you even like ask for it or reference it." Right. And so, right. You shouldn't. You shouldn't ask for a hug. The hug, Kevin. Come to you. I know he's not <laughs> listening. But I that is one thing that I always remember is um, one of the commercials was like, and hugs from Lou. And it was a montage of him hugging. Just they could do a montage. Allegedly, he was a sweaty guy. Allegedly. I just made that up. He looked like a sweaty guy, though. I imagine that he was a a sweaty person. That's even worse. Just imagine it. Like, you see it coming before it touches you. No. No. (laughs) Hilarious. What we like to do at Save Your Sorry is, of course, in the episode with a bit of positivity and light and talk about a piece of media that we love or is close to our hearts or makes us feel special or such as. So, um, in honor of you guys being our guest, I'll let you decide which one of you two would like to go first. Go ahead, Jacob. You can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, I I will go. I will go first. Yeah, you're probably more prepared than me. Well, I am probably twice a year I do something where I just go back and rewatch a TV series that I really love. And starting in December, I started rewatching all of Murder She Wrote, and right now I'm oh my god, I've made it to season eight of Murder She Wrote. So that's my media season eight of Murder She Wrote. Okay, it's great. She moves to New York. She gets a computer. A lot of things are happening in JB Fletcher's life in season eight. <laughs> it's very good. Now wait a second. What do you watch it on? Um, you're asking too many questions, Erin. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I always watched Murder She Wrote as a child, but I didn't know what it was, so I just kind of left it alone. But uh, people say that it is good, so it's like 
Should I check it out? <laughs> it has its flop moments. Like there's some episodes that are I just skip over at this point because I've watched the whole series multiple times now. Mm-hmm. But it's good, especially if you just want something on while you're kind of focusing mostly on something else and you can just focus on it whenever you want. It's perfect, perfect program for that. Okay. It makes me think of like Matlock for some reason too. <laughs> well, I've never seen Matlock, but there is a crossover episode in Murder, She Wrote. I forgot what season, maybe cool. around two or three, where the first part of the story is in a Matlock episode and the second part of a story is in a Murder, She Wrote episode. So to get the full story, you would have to watch both. And I just skipped that shit. I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I understand. All right. Is is that is that all just Murder, She Wrote Season 8 specifically? Specifically Season 8. It, it, it gets really good at Season 8. Watch all of it, but Season 8 I'm really is disappointed I haven't, like, shared this tradition because now I really want to watch Murder, She Wrote again. Yeah, yeah. I, we, we need to figure out a way. Maybe we can watch it together. Perfect. Well, my, my media is so random. <laughs> I recently discovered... An old album that I've been listening to, and it's the Zendaya album from 2013. Really? It's so good. Like, I just missed it. I guess I was just sleeping on Zendaya as a singer back in the day. But especially if I had paid any attention to this album at that time, it was like the perfect, like, 2013 where pop was album and i've put it in my rotation i always have like i call my playlist on spotify i call one of them recent favorites and it's just like what i'm listening to now and i have that on there (laughs) and i'm so disappointed i missed out like it would have been the perfect right alongside Rihanna from that era because we were loving Rihanna from that area or era. I mean, and then um, the Zendaya album, Mwah! it would have been perfect. <laughs> Did I it have like any big what... singles? Do you remember the song Replay? I do. Ponda Replay? No, not Ponda Replay. She had a song. <laughs> no, I don't. Replay. I don't guess I remember. Put the something on replay. It's either put the song or put, put like put the song on replay. I'll play it all day or something replay. like that. Yeah, it's a great song. Great little catchy pop single from 2013. Yeah, I only know that one song because when I worked at my college bookstore, that that song played every 12 songs. Like, oh jeez, no. oh no. <laughs> Because I didn't even know Zendaya did the whole singing thing. I just knew her from like Casey Undercover, then going on to the Spider-Man and Euphoria. But then I heard that song. I was like, oh, this bitch was trying to be Rihanna. (laughs) Yes, it's very much a Rihanna lie album, but it's actually good. And yeah, I've been spinning that new old album to me. So there you go. Okay. Okay. Well, great picks. Uh, I guess it's my turn. Um, so I, last week when we did Jamie Lynn Spears, I was confused. I thought Jose was going to do Britney Spears. (laughs) So I listened to a whole bunch of Britney and then that segued into me listening to a little bit of Madonna. So I forgot. Naturally. Yeah, naturally. (laughs) So one of the songs, oh, I guess it's two songs that I forgot I really did love because I, Madonna's had different eras, speaking of eras, but I haven't been there for all of them. So when she did the discos, but it was like the 2000s, I was, I remember that. So when mm-hmm. Hung Up and Sorry came out as singles, for some reason it spoke to my soul. I love those two songs and those two videos. Those just, are great. They're just I've always loved the disco music, like in the seventies. You know the Donna Summers and the um, uh, Candy sta- Stations and whoever else was a part of that. So when I uh, listened to Madonna do her hand in it, even though it was kind of different with the, I feel like she was m- mixing like electronic music in there as well. Uh, it was just very entertaining. Uh, the videos are funny. She has people. I guess crumping was very popular because all through those videos was a lot of crumping. But uh, and also uh, not to body shame, but yeah, you could definitely tell she got a BBL uh, because 
Because okay. hung up Madonna did not have butt like that. But hey, she does what she wants. She's a material girl. So this is the Confessions on a Dance Floor album, right? The whole album. Yes. That CD was... That album came out the same year I got my first car at 18, and I got the CD, and um, I just drove around spinning confessions on a dance floor, like, constantly, and it was... um, the, the whole album was a mega – it's like everything's mixed together into a continuous mix. So good. It's such a great album. So, yeah, great choice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that really makes me want to go revisit that. Just listen to it because you're an album guy. So you'll definitely yeah, I'm an appreciate album guy, so I love, the I continuous love when everything mix. is mixed together. Oh, you rather yes. listen to like the whole album than like singles, Jacob? Yes. Yeah, I avoid He's, singles. When an artist really? is just putting out singles constantly, I will just – mute them and not pay attention <laughs> until they put an album out dang that's a I'm good way opposite. to i love singles yeah <laughs> i try to listen to albums i'm just bad because what happens is honestly if i'm not messing with a single it, it got like one more like okay let's say i don't like one song after the second song i'm kind of not feeling i'll check out of the whole album for a minute oh so that's See, i can problem. listen to an album two or three times before deciding i hate it Oh my gosh! I need your your brain and your ears. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with listening to it two or three times, but that honestly, my album attention span—that's it. After that, I start picking out my favorite songs, and uh-huh. I just put those on a playlist. But it's a curse because I never know the names of songs or anything. But I will sort of know what song comes in what order if I'm if you're singing a song or something you. I can like start singing the next song, but I'll never know the name of a song ever. Dang. Yeah. You got to trade your curse for a curse. (laughs) (laughs) So Jose, you want to share yours? Oh, sure. Um, Mine is Simon and Garfunkel bookends theme, because for some reason I thought I was a huge Simon and Garfunkel fan. And then I was looking at their music and I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I just I just like that one song. I think it was kind of like in my hipster days where it's like, oh, you're not listening to this Simon and Garfunkel. Um, <laughs> and I think I just saw in Girl Interrupted, that song starts the movie. Ah, uh, Girl Interrupted. Oh, right. But that's all. <laughs> Way to bring it back to the story, though, with Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, you just related it back to Lou Pearlman. Oh my gosh, your brain. Yeah, I'm not a huge Backstreet or NSYNC fan, so that's oh, yeah. the music I listen to. My backup media was going to be like to pick an NSYNC or Backstreet Boys song, and that was going to be uh, it's either Tearing Up My Heart or I Want You. Just I thought note. for sure you were going to pick an O-Town song. <laughs> you know me. I'm an O-Town homie, but I couldn't let you guys know <laughs> what was their smash hit for me. Not yet. Is it Liquid Dreams? I think that's it. That's the vibe I'm getting, Erin. That that title is something else. What does it mean? (laughs) I still don't understand what it means. I don't want to. Well, it was uh, great that you guys came on the podcast. I enjoyed you. I know Jose did. So uh, this is your chance, of course, to plug where we can find you, where we can follow you, listen to you, and all that. Well, we're so excited because... This is our first time being a guest to someone else, right? I'm not yeah. kidding anybody. Okay. <laughs> so much fun. We hope in the future you guys will come on and be a guest on our show later this year, maybe, if we can figure all of that out. But if anyone wants to find us on Twitter and Instagram, we are Hits Don't Lie Pod. And we are anywhere you get podcasts, basically. Fantastic. Riveting. Amazing. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, and it, it really is a good podcast for anyone who hasn't listened to it. Like I yeah. recommend it to anybody I know. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because what I honestly the thing I love about your podcast is that with me, because you guys are so much more experienced and worldly for real. No. Okay, old. Okay, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's not what I meant, but 
you guys just bring so much culture to the point that even if I don't know any of the songs you're about to say, like the, the foreign language one, I didn't know pretty much all but maybe two songs, but it was just so entertaining to listen to you to just talk about them and the snippets and why they're great and what they mean to you. So you guys just just bring this just great entertaining fact to whatever you're talking about. To It just doesn't matter if you know the songs or not. Oh, thank you. That's, oh, thank that's you. basically our goal. Well, that's just we're doing it because we just want to talk about the songs that we like. But it's good that we at least sound like we know what we're doing. So. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to find our socials, it's Save Your Sorry on Instagram, Cash App, all that. All It's all Save Your Sorry everywhere. Um, the Twitter is Save Your Sorry, but it's spelled you are, and all that would be linked down below in the description. And we're also linked Hits Don't Lie on there, so you guys can find them easy. Um, that's I love the all. way you just slip in Cash App. Like, <laughs> Jacob, you need to be out here getting us that money. I'm yes. already getting blip money. What do you want from me? <laughs> Show me the receipts. Thank All you guys right. so much. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you.